Before we get started tonight, I wanted to run something by you. Okay. Not sure if it really has anything to do with our podcast, but it does have a death in it and possibly a murder. How does that have nothing to do with our podcast? (laughs) Well, you'll see. So bear with me here. Okay. I can tell you a little story. So the city of Cleveland was founded by General Moses Cleveland. (laughs) Okay, so he names it after himself. Well, people around him supposedly named it that's what they all say yeah exactly yeah when he landed at the mouth of the cuyahoga river in july of 1796 somewhere to the west of him in an area which is now bay village there was a white oak tree that at the time was already 100 years old about 100 years old there in the forest along the rocky coast it continued to grow surviving the countless storms of lake erie the harsh winters, the arrival of settlers, and the eventual construction as the city grew. More recently, the previous owner of the property where the White Oak lived, Abby Salmon, took care of the tree for nearly 50 years, and the people of the area began to know the tree as the Grand Abbey Oak. Hmm. After surviving somewhere between 350 to 400 years and being one of the oldest trees in the area, the new owners of the property determining that their construction would irreparably damage the root system recently had the tree cut down. That's messed up. Sad. Yeah. Yeah. Not judging one way or the other of what happened, but... No, I'm judging. (laughs) (laughs) And I suspect that at some point in the future we'll hear stories of a phantom tree that is seen on misty nights. (laughs) At the edge of Lake Erie. That'd be interesting. Yeah. So anyway, like I said, I'm not sure what that had to do with anything, but <laughs> I thought it was a sad story, and it was the death of a tree. Murder, maybe. That's, I mean, it's the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you have for us tonight? I feel like I have a pretty interesting story, very sad one. It kind of dives more into the psychology behind a murder. I'm intrigued. (laughs) On January 18th, 2009, in Illinois, a 28-year-old homeless man by the name Robin Burton Jr. had accepted an offer for a warm meal and bed from a 29-year-old man, Kyle Morgan. Morgan had offered Burton food and beer for the night. Earlier that day, the two had met at a train station. They attempted to buy drugs in Chicago and Crystal Lake. Later in the night, at Morgan's apartment, the two were drinking and playing video games when Morgan struck Burton on the head with a hammer. That's messed up. Yeah. A few weeks later, maintenance was called with complaints that there was a foul odor coming from Morgan's apartment. Burton was found stabbed 30 times with pieces of his flesh cut off. Uno cards with the number 666 were placed on top of his chest. The movie Natural Born Killers was in the DVD player. And the sentence, It is better to reign in hell than to serve in heaven, was written on the walls in Burton's blood. Who who was this guy? I don't recall ever hearing this story. Really? Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, there wasn't much information about it, to be quite honest. Really? Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. It gets um, weirder. Oh, great. Police had found bizarre and disturbing poetry, writing, and photographs. There were fan letters that Morgan had written to Dennis Rader and Richard Ramirez, whom both are serial killers. Did he actually send the fan letters, or he just wrote them? I took it as he just wrote them. Okay. He was later caught a few states away after a traffic accident had led to a high-speed chase. He hit two pedestrians, Allison Gwynn and Blake Parsons, during the chase. They were both 23. Shortly after Burton's death, police found a social media page where Morgan called himself Thrill Kill Kyle. His MySpace profile even displayed his fascinations with true crime literature and drinking blood. The profile was filled with images of women-bound serial killers and the aftermath of the Oklahoma City bombings. On the page, he stated that he is down with Satan. He mentioned that he enjoys drinking women's blood. Now here I have two alleged entries from his MySpace page, um, which are pretty interesting. Okay. MySpace, uh, that doesn't tell you how long ago this. Yeah. Well, not how long ago, but... One entry said, two and a half years ago, a girl I was in love with died of a heroin overdose. We used to watch Dracula together and had blood sex. She meant the world to me. These words speak of how I feel. I would submit to the darkest deeds in the world to just be able to kiss her beautiful face again. And another entry, this world needs a new revolution, not just in one way. The whole system has to change. We can't fight it with peace or we will lose. The system fights with war, and what they shall receive back is war. We need to organize a rebellion of all the outcast punks, goths, skins, hardcore kids, serial killers, metalheads, terrorists, school shooters, anarchists, Satanists, mass murderers, etc. We have to unite and F up the system. It's been too long of sitting around and doing nothing. Unite the clans, unite the underground network, think of the damage we could cause. We could F it up hardcore. And then just a bunch of laughing. Scary to wonder how many people are out there that are like that, that we don't know about yet. Yeah. Well, it's scary. I wonder how many people, I don't know how MySpace works, but interacted with that post. I mean, worked. Worked. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, how it worked. Yeah, that'd be interesting to see what the interaction was on the post. Yes. But scary. Man, what a messed up dude. Yeah. On September 22nd, 2007, on a MySpace page dedicated to Ted Bundy, Kyle wrote, I'm the most cold-blooded son of a bitch you will ever meet, my brother, end quote. Wait, he was talking, he was saying he's the most cold-blooded? Yeah. And this was like in all caps. But he fool of himself, isn't he? Yep. He has a huge fascination with serial killers, seems like. Apparently. And uh, blood, did it say, he said he enjoyed drinking blood. Did he actually drink a lot of it or? There was nothing that I, I hmm. you know, he just had a fascination with it. Yeah. He was also a member of the MySpace group Cop Killers. And his photo bucket account had images of mass shooters, serial killers, bondage, and vampires. The freedoms that we enjoy, that there can be a group titled Cop Killers. Yeah. I mean, there has to be a line somewhere, right? Or groups dedicated to serial killers. Right, yeah. I mean, just, yeah, in general. I mean, it's just, I don't know. So, okay, so here's a question. So, you have a group for serial killers. 
So you could say, well, it's uh, people who are discussing serial killers. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you say, okay, well, yeah, people are talking about it. So, you know. Then you have a group called cop killers. And I don't think you can argue either way that either you're, you are a bunch of cop killers or want to be cop killers, or you're just talking about cop killers. But there's the question I have for you is that is there they're different between a group getting together talking about serial killers versus a group getting together and talking about cop killers. Well, I'm I'm not saying it's No, like, I'm not saying you're saying anything. I'm just asking the theoretical question of cuz you know, that makes me cringe when I hear, you know, there's a group on MySpace or whatever that's titled cop killers. Yeah. Right? Whether they're wannabe cop killers or they just want they're just people who want to talk about previous cop killers yeah i mean to me there's and i don't know what it is but in my mind there's a line between that and people who are in a group talking about serial killers versus people who are in a group who are actual serial killers yeah (laughs) i mean you never know i mean i said it was a dedicated page to ted bundy so i think that's what like it being dedicated to yeah and there's another Another difference is that there's a difference between people just talking about maybe they're, you know, digital sleuths that uh, just like to talk about serial killers and crime in general, true crime. Hey, what do we do? Yeah. Uh, versus yeah, having a memorial for Ted Bundy or somebody. Yeah. I don't know. Just It's just crazy. Kind of trying to wrap my head around that. Apparently, that's our world. Yeah. The freedoms we enjoy, right? Yeah. According to Morgan's family, there were multiple attempts to have him involuntarily committed, but they were turned down by a judge since he hadn't harmed anyone. He had been hospitalized numerous times and had at least eight suicide attempts. He was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. His criminal record was somewhat limited, but his family had said he'd been abusing alcohol and drugs since he was a teenager and also suffers from manic depression. His lawyer claimed that a wrong change in medication was to blame for his action the day Burton was murdered. Morgan was taking Vyvanse when he had murdered Burton. Taking what? Vyvanse. It's a, a medication. I don't know if it's specifically what it specifically treats, but it is particularly dangerous for people with bipolar disorder to take it. Oh, lovely. Okay, I've never heard of it. Yeah. This drug increases dopamine levels in the brain and can cause psychosis and even cause those with bipolar disorder to become increasingly irritable or even prone to violent outbursts. So what does it do other than make you psychotic? (laughs) I should have looked that up, but... Oh, that's fine. Morgan's first violent outburst was in 2008, a few weeks after starting the medication. He cut his girlfriend at the time with a knife before jumping from a second-story balcony, thinking he could fly. What happened when he jumped? He didn't fly. <laughs> <laughs> I know that. Uh, apparently, he didn't die either. No, he... Yeah. Okay. A forensic psychiatrist by the name Dr. Jonathan Howard called the drug poison. Howard has said, in an individual with bipolar disorder, this is an extremely poor choice. A second forensic psychiatrist, Dr. James Kavanaugh, described Morgan's mental illness, substance abuse, dark thoughts, and morbid obsessions as lighter fluid, while Vyvanse was the match. Kavanaugh said, what resulted in a state of mind simply out of control, there was no impulse, and it made no sense. It wasn't premeditated. 
He believed the crime was an impulse and was not likely to reoccur. So they're they're blaming the medication? Yes. Okay. And they're saying, yeah, if he didn't have this medication, he wouldn't have been this way, and, and he is not at fault. Yeah. Okay. So it's two psychiatrists basically saying that he shouldn't have been prescribed this medication, and it was the result of, like, the murder was a result of it. Okay. The judge stated that Vyvanse is a medication that should not have been prescribed to Mr. Morgan in the first place. It was prescribed, the violence ensued, and now Burton is dead. The judge concluded with, at the end of the day, Kyle Morgan must pay for his crime. Kyle pleaded guilty but mentally ill. He was sentenced to 30 years in prison. In court, Morgan's family sat front row as their son stood in front of the judge to plead guilty. He only glanced at his family twice but showed zero emotion. And did he sue the pharmaceutical company and get millions of dollars? No, not that I... Okay. I'm glad that the judge kind of, you know, realized that, like, hey, like, someone died. So help me understand here. The MySpace and all that, was that during the time he was taking the medication or previous to that? I'm assuming previous. Obviously, you can't convict somebody just because they're saying stuff, right? Yeah. But it wasn't like he was this wholesome person who then took this medication that made him psycho. Yeah. He obviously was on the edge. I think like what this one of the psychiatrists said was that the medication was the match to everything else. But then you're basically saying that, okay, yes, so the medication pushed him along, but he was already mostly there. Yeah. That doesn't mean something else wouldn't have triggered him. It just happened that supposedly the medication did it. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's messed up, but that's scary too. I mean, if the medication really was making him that way. Yeah, and I'm just curious as to why when they try to involuntarily commit him, the judge didn't do anything because he didn't harm anyone. But what about the instance where he had cut his girlfriend at the time with a knife and jumping out the window? But that, was that reported or? Uh, maybe it was. I mean, I would think that would be, I mean, if he was on a second story. He said that he did that, right? It was stated. I'm not sure. Oh, if okay. It was. Okay. Sorry. I, I thought he was, he was saying that he, this is what happened. Yeah. So it might've been a reported thing. Huh? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's one of the scary things is like, yeah, you can't really get arrested for the things you post online, but feel like there's usually always those signs like that, that someone, you know, needs help and attention. That's the problem with, yeah, having the freedoms that we have. Yeah. That, you know, freedom of speech, pretty much say what you want. And if you don't do anything about it, it's hard to uh, to get help for people. Yeah. It's unfortunate. Wish there was a solution for that, but. Yeah. Hopefully one day. But yeah, I don't know. You know what, what's the solution? How do you, if you see somebody talking like that and doing crazy stuff, but not hurting anyone, how do you get help for them? I think because he had also had a drug and alcohol problem. I think having a better system for rehab. Well, it's getting those people into the system though, right? If he, he had a drug and alcohol problem, he's an adult. He's the only one who can get himself into a program. Nobody else can, if he doesn't hurt anybody. Yeah. Nobody else can... Well, I know he had gone in and he'd be fine for a few months and then relapse. Right, but that was voluntarily, right? 
Well, yeah. yeah. I don't or maybe know. not yeah. when he was younger. I don't know. Yeah, when age. he was younger, that's a different story. You know, there's a lot of people who go to jail for drugs and alcohol. And I personally don't feel like that's helping them. No. I just wish there was a better system or a solution that we can come to where we can kind of prevent more things. Don't see that happening anytime soon, unfortunately. Yeah, it's just sad, scary. But you can argue that, you know, he's online talking about this stuff. And obviously that, that group is allowed to exist. And like I said, they can say whatever they want. And as long as they're not harming anybody, who's to say that they need help? Right? Yeah. Um, anyway, what else do you have? Well, that was it for that story. But I do have a Stupid Criminals. All right. Always love Stupid Criminals. This one's interesting. Let me see if I can, um, I have the pronunciation written out for this county. Okay. I have a feeling that I'm going to still butcher it. Clackamas County deputies say they responded to a call about an alleged theft at the Clackamas Promenade around 3.30 p.m. on a Monday. Two men thought they had the perfect plan of one running into their local Coles, grab a bunch of merch, and run back out to the parking lot where the second guy would be waiting with their getaway car. As they're about to get away, their getaway car battery died. Did, <laughs> did he not have the car running and waiting when he came out and he tried to start the car? Or Apparently not. <laughs> when the deputies got there, they said they found the hood of said car up and Raymond Stavig and Derek Schertz Trying to get a jump from bystanders. <laughs> <laughs> so did they just act like nothing was going on? Like they weren't the people that the cops were looking for? It's kind of like it. Like, oh, just act casual. Could you imagine being the person that's helping them? Like, are you, <laughs> do you get arrested for yeah, that? You, you're betting <laughs> a crime if you give them a jump? Yeah. <laughs> Inside the car were phones, laptops, clothing from other stores, stolen credit cards, a credit card reader, drugs, counterfeit cash, and other items. Okay, drugs. So that explains a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if they were particularly on drugs, but they had it. Shirts, who was the one who allegedly lifted the items from the Kohl's, and had counterfeit bills in his pockets, had told authorities that before they had arrived on the scene, Stavik had offered him $1,000 if he took the blame for the theft, an offer that he apparently declined. Stavik told deputies the items in the car all belonged to his wife. Now, (laughs) I imagine he got divorced after this. (laughs) Well, I don't know. She might be just like him. She might have been off some other store, but with a working battery. (laughs) (laughs) but there was one other item that was stolen the getaway car itself (laughs) i stole the car with a dead battery (laughs) (laughs) stavik was arrested on charges of theft identity theft possession of methamphetamine and a warrant for aggravated id theft shirts on the other hand was arrested on charges of theft possession of forged instrument and a warrant for heron possession Oh, that's hilarious. I just see, like, in my head, I'm, I don't want to be mean, but, like, just two idiots who have no idea what they're doing. Well, apparently, they sell, they, 
wonder what car they stole. They stole the worst car that they could possibly find. <laughs> uh, maybe that's a lesson to just, you know, not steal. <laughs> wonder how much time they got for all that. I don't know. It didn't say, but I just, I want to know if the person who helped them try to get a jump to the car got in trouble at all. <laughs> I doubt it. Well, um, yeah, maybe they got questioned. Like, <laughs> like they call up, they call up their friend, you know, to come down and, and jump their car for them. Well, at that point, why would he just not like run on foot? Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking, I was thinking, well, yeah, why didn't they just run when the battery was dead and the cops came out? Why didn't they just run? Yeah. But then I was thinking that, well, their car would tie them to the, <laughs> the crime. But then when you said they were stolen, well, they have nothing to lose. Just run. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. They could have like hid somewhere. I don't know. I don't know how far their house was from it. Well, run anywhere. Yeah. yeah just run away, right? Just act casual. Go to like a Denny's or something. Yeah. Instead of like, oh, well, I guess with all the stuff they had in the back, I guess they didn't want to give that up. They ended up giving it up anyways by staying. <laughs> so he offered the guy $1,000 to take the blame and go to jail for all of that? Yeah. Like, yeah, uh, 10 years in jail is definitely worth $1,000. Well, it's like, I'm pretty sure it was counterfeit money too. So like, yeah. <laughs> but also putting the blame on his wife, not a good partner. Yeah. Not a good partner in crime. Well, he wasn't putting the blame on her, right? He was just saying it was her stuff. Or, oh, see, I was, I was just thinking he was trying to say, oh, this, we own all this stuff. It's just all my wife's stuff. Not that she had stole it and he just happened to be in the car. I don't know. I mean, I guess it could go either way because he just said that the items in the car all belonged to his wife. Oh, yeah. I was, I was thinking not that he was scapegoating her, that it was, he was just saying, oh, yeah, this is my wife. Yeah, that would be cold. Well, because he knows it was stolen and they would eventually find out that all that stuff is stolen. So it's technically, I would take it as putting the blame on her. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, that's brutal. Well, I'm assuming it's not his wife anymore. Because <laughs> unless, like you said, she was involved in it, just happened to not be there that day. Yeah. But yeah, that was um stupid, yeah, stupid criminal. Stupid. <laughs> uh, Criminals. Criminals all the way around. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's all I have. That's all you have? And what do you have? Well, let's see. Tonight I am going to be talking about haunted bridges. Fun. Yeah. So I'm not sure how I came up with the, the idea of this. And, you know, obviously we've seen stories here and there. And then after we had talked about me doing this, you had shown me the video about the old uh, Alton Bridge in Texas. Yes. Uh, Goatman's Bridge. Yeah. So I won't go into that story tonight, but it is an interesting comparison to some of the other bridges that I did find. I am still looking for information on Chalkman Bridge, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you're going to have to maybe dig in the ocean for that. <laughs> <laughs> I was amazed uh, at how many stories there are out there about haunted bridges. Really? Yeah. I want to be careful here because I don't want to discount anyone's story. Yes. Right. And I certainly don't want to piss off any spirits <laughs> or worse, demons. Yeah, that would be good. Or worse, the devil himself. I feel like you have to really mess up. <laughs> so I wanted to, yeah, I just want to be careful because some of these appear, they appear that they might be urban legends. So, yeah. you know, when I'm talking about them, don't want to offend anybody. 
And because there were a lot of uh, common themes that, that make you wonder about the you know, legitimacy of some of them. For instance, one common theme I ran across was the crybaby bridge. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of bridges with a premise that a baby or babies had either fallen or were tossed from the bridge. Stories commonly would involve unwed mothers who were disowned by their families, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And now you can hear the cries and or screams of the baby and or mother. Hmm. There were at least, seems to be an Ohio theme this evening. (laughs) Not sure why, but just a coincidence. There were at least three or four crybaby bridges that I ran across in Ohio alone. Hmm. One of which is in Salem, Salem, Ohio, not to be confused with. There's a Salem, Salem. Ohio? Yeah. Huh, I didn't know that. So this bridge in Salem... Like many of them out there, there are so many different stories about it. You know, an unwed mother disowned by her family threw her baby off the bridge or the baby accidentally fell, you know, just what I was talking about. Yeah. There's different stories about when it happened and, you know, when you might hear the screams, whether, you know, what time of day you might hear them and stuff like that. I could go on. There's a lot of different variations of the story for this particular bridge, even that there's a cult that's nearby and people who are killed and stuff like that. So That's not creepy. I feel like cults and bridges do not mix. Yeah, definitely creepy stories, right? Yeah. But it just makes you wonder, when when there's so many different variations of what happened to cause the bridge to be haunted, Yeah. It, you know, it, it just comes a little suspect. Yeah. Another common thread seemed to be, or seems to be, the quote-unquote Devil's Bridge. Now, the stories of the Devil's Bridges seem more varied from bridge to bridge, but I think that is more the fact that the name is the commonality between them and not necessarily the stories behind them. Because, let's face it, you know, anytime you add devil or demon to something, it just lends itself to be scary yeah, or evil, creepy or evil. So the one of those bridges that stuck out to me was the Devil's Bridge in San Antonio. I'm not sure why that one stuck out, but I'm thinking maybe it's because when I think of where the devil might live, it's Texas. <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> he used to live in Florida, but then that got too ghetto for him. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it was the um, too much retirement. He didn't yeah. want to retire yet. <laughs> So I guess I'm not going to just piss off demons and spirits tonight. <laughs> Pissing off Texans. Two states. Huh? I said I'm insulting two states. But don't worry, I'm just kidding about one of them. <laughs> I want to know which one you're kidding about because <laughs> I'm honest about Florida. <laughs> one of the stories surrounding San Antonio location is that the devil himself built the bridge. At first, I was wondering, what the hell does the devil need to build the bridge for? Well, I want to know why the devil himself is building the bridge and not his, like... Yeah, his minions. minions. (laughs) Well, but then what does he need a bridge for anyway, right? (laughs) But then I guess I I said, well, maybe it makes sense because, you know, if he moved on to Texas, he needed a job. (laughs) (laughs) See him out there in his orange vest. (laughs) (laughs) Telling you, I'm going to get in trouble tonight. (laughs) I was just, I was wondering how you could piss off the devil himself, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You're painting him to be a good guy, so yeah, working hardworking Texan. <laughs> <laughs> if that's what you consider a good guy, then <laughs> <laughs> he's one of them. Yeah. Oh, let's see. Uh, so 
supposedly, allegedly, I wasn't going to use that term tonight, but the darkness around the bridge is so dense, your headlights or any other light will only penetrate a couple of feet in front of you. Mm-hmm. That seems suspiciously easy to verify. Wouldn't yeah. you think you could test that? Yeah. I didn't hear any or read any stories about people who went out there to test that theory. But Maybe people are scared. We can go test it. I'll, I'll yeah, gladly okay. go across the bridge and with a, like just a flashlight. So I can get you to go to Texas, but I bet if I found someplace in Florida, I couldn't get you to go there. My hair would frizz up. <laughs> <laughs> That's more haunting than anything else. <laughs> uh, let's see. So you might also smell sulfur and ro- or rotten eggs. No surprise there. Devil's yeah. Bridge. Really ghastly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're brave enough to walk onto the bridge and toss a stone over the side, it is said you will never hear it land. <laughs> That's so random. How many people tossed a stone over yeah. the bridge? And I don't think it has anything to do with the grassy area below the bridge. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so on to one of the more unique stories. That wasn't unique. No, not when you talk about the Dogface Bridge. What? In San Pierre, Indiana. In the 1950s, a couple was driving towards their honeymoon destination, and while driving over the bridge, a dog ran out in front of their car. They swerved but couldn't avoid the dog, and the car plummeted off the bridge. The dog and the woman were both decapitated. Uh, Do you know where I'm going with this? uh, (laughs) There are reports of people seeing a woman with a dog's head. Uh, And if you see her, the dog-headed woman will reportedly try to chase you down and kill you. Wait, so... No, so her head is the dog's head. Her, no, the dog's head is her head. So <laughs> the, the dog's head okay, is on the body of the woman. That's what I meant. <laughs> Wait, I thought you meant that she was like carrying the dog's head. No, that would make more sense. That would be more, <laughs> How would that make more sense? <laughs> it would be more believable than somebody running around with a dog's head. <laughs> I don't know if that's scary or not. Now, a cat's head, I could see. No. Well, because then she would be Catwoman. <laughs> Trying to chase people. Corny dad jokes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Catwoman trying to chase people. That, no, that would make sense. That would be scarier. A cat-headed woman. I think I would laugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I'd laugh at either of them. But yeah. yeah. Well, no, I will not laugh at them. I am not pissing off spirits tonight. Just want to make that clear. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there's also a story going back to San Antonio. Big surprise. There's also a story <laughs> of the Donkey Lady Bridge. <laughs> what? The? But, but but I think one cross breed ghost story is enough for a night for one night. <laughs> oh my god. Well, let, let me say. Okay, now maybe I will talk about this a little bit because the Donkey Lady scares me a little bit. <laughs> I mean, I'm not doubting her story. I don't want to piss her off. I certainly wouldn't go there at night, so I'm going to take this one as believable. Okay. So there's some variations to the story, but it basically goes that a young woman was disfigured in a fire. Oh. Her finger, her fingers, (laughs) her fingers were burned down to stumps and fused together to resemble hooves. Oh. I'm not sure how the rest of her ended up looking like a donkey, but that's the nickname they gave her. I would have thought like hooves, like maybe something more scary than a donkey. Yeah. Uh, maybe because Goatman's bridge was already taken. <laughs> the copyrighted Goatman's yeah, bridge. If you go there at night and call out her name, she is said she might appear. What's her name? 
That's a, that's a similar to the, uh, well, the, the goat, goat means bridge you have to knock, or do you say is? No, I think it's well, your knock. Well, let's go back. You just, so you just said it. What's your name, right? Yeah. Yeah. So there, there's no actual re, uh, record of who this person actually is. So you would have to say, hey, donkey lady. Hey, donkey lady. <laughs> we got to piss her off. Exactly. I, that's, there's no freaking way. I would, uh, getting, getting her to appear is one thing, but pissing her off? Yeah, no. That's yeah. so mean. Yeah, um, I'll pass on that. So I want to reiterate again that I am not discounting any of these stories, only that some of them are suspect because there are so many similar stories. Yeah. But I do not want to upset anybody. Okay, so let's get a little serious here. Okay. All right. I'm going to, you know, again, I'm going back to Ohio. <laughs> Been to Texas twice, maybe three times. Lost count. And I'm going to just tear the name of this town up because of my speech issues. So I'm going to try this, but I don't know why I picked this story. But one bridge, or at least where the bridge once stood, that is most likely haunted is the location of the Ashtabula. <laughs> Ashtabula. <laughs> I can't say that. I can't say it. People in Ohio are going to be pissed at me. Does it, but I can't there, say Ash Jibula. Is there a pronunciation for it? Ash Jibula. <laughs> <laughs> what more do you need? Yeah, but I meant like, did you look it up? Yeah, but I can't, I know what it is. Ash Jibula? Ash Jibula. Ash Jibula? <laughs> Not Ash Jibula. <laughs> That sounds like a bone. <laughs> My ass chibula. <laughs> I know what I know what the word is, and I can hear it in my head. My mouth just can't say it. Okay. Ash chibula. I'm gonna go with that. Okay. 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 The ash chibula. Ash chibula. <laughs> train disaster oh, in Ohio. Okay. Yes. So I don't want to make fun of this story. No. Just that I can't say that name. On December 29th, 1876, around 7.30 p.m., two train engines named Socrates and Columbia, I didn't know they named train engines. I didn't know they did either. Were pulling a passenger train heading toward Ashtabula Station. I'm not going to, hopefully I don't have to say that name again, I'll just, you know where I'm talking just about. Just call it Ash. Yeah, Ash Station. The second engine was added sometime after the train left Buffalo to help pull the train through the snowdrifts because of the blizzard conditions. Okay, so they had a train pulling a train? Well, two engines pulling a train. Oh, okay. So that's, okay. that's pretty common to have multiple engines, depending on how many cars there are. Okay. The temperature was well below zero, and visibility was pretty much non-existent as heavy snow fell and winds gusted up to 54 miles per hour. The ash station was just across the bridge and the two engines shut off steam to let the train glide into the station. Traveling at about 10 to 15 miles per hour, the lead engine, Socrates, was almost across the bridge when the engineer said he heard a sharp crack and his engine started being pulled backwards. Looking back, he saw Columbia starting to fall. The engineer of Socrates opened up the throttle to drive his engine forward. For an instant, Columbia clung to Socrates but then the coupling rod between the two engines broke and Columbia fell into the gorge behind the other cars. Wow. Passengers and crew were killed as the train fell 70 feet to the shallow river below, being crushed by the cars piling up 
were burned after the train's oil lanterns and coal heating stoves ignited the wooden cars, the high winds causing the flames to spread quickly. Sad. Yeah. There were varying reports on how many passengers were on the train. I read somewhere between 159 to 197. There were 19 crew members on board. The death toll also varies, but was believed to be somewhere in the area of the 90s. Wow. Yeah. The unidentifiable victims were buried in a mass grave in the Chestnut Grove Cemetery not far from the site of the disaster. The grave was unmarked until local citizens started a campaign in 1892 to erect a memorial, which was dedicated on May 30, 1895. The 37-foot-tall memorial lists 25 people who were known to be passengers but whose bodies could never be identified. An investigation put the blame for the bridge's failure on the designer, Amasa Stone, and the chief engineer of the railroad company, Charles Collins, both of whom were rumored to have committed suicide in the years following the disaster. But there are varying stories about how they died, so... Hmm. Oddly, the Collins Mausoleum is not far from where the victims were buried. People have reported seeing Collins and Stone walking the grounds of the cemetery. Although the sightings of Stone was kind of interesting because I had read some rumors about him being buried at Chestnut Grove. But from what I understand, he is actually buried at Lakeview Cemetery. So, you know, maybe his spirit is, spirit is tied to the area or the people of the disaster. Or maybe people just think they see him because they think he's buried there. Yeah. I'm not sure, but... People have reported hearing children playing. There were children on board, too. And or people talking. Seeing people who are carrying luggage or just seem to be out of place for the area. Yeah. Maybe clothing and stuff. And at the site of the accident, there have been reports of hearing sounds above the river, noises of the crash or cries of victims... Also reports of lights and orbs hovering over where the bridge stood. Sad. Yeah. So that was my story. Did they ever figure out if it was actually their fault or Yeah, I didn't I didn't get into the detail, but basically he designed this bridge, it was totally experimental. Oh. And I can't remember if it was him or the other one. I think it was him, the designer, that you know, said, hey, this is just experimental to try this out, but we shouldn't be really using this. Yeah. And the the company's like, no, we're going to go ahead and go with it. But yeah, so there was definite, it wasn't a matter of, you know, it was just an accident or there's a, apparently there was a whole slew of problems. There was questions about the uh, the way the iron was produced and whether there was air pockets in the metal. And the like I said, the biggest factor was that the design of the bridge was faulty. Yeah. But then the, the train company also was at fault for the lanterns they were using and the, the heating stoves they were using were not supposed to be being used anymore because they could easily cause fires. Yeah. And then to top it off, the ash fire chief, when they arrived at the scene, for whatever reason, decided not to give the order for them to start pumping water onto the fire, and they just let it burn. Huh. Very tragic situation all around, and very tragic events that led all you know, led up to it. That's odd. Yeah. So, that was it. Hate to leave on that sad note. Yeah. Don't have any more stupid criminal stories, do you? No, no I didn't no. think I... 
I was thinking about doing two, but I didn't think I needed it. Yeah, no. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, well, I guess finish on a down note. Thank you very much for joining us. Make sure to visit next week for more weird and creepy stories. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at 12past3 or email us at podcast at 12past3.com. Night. Good night.